This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Howard will win the MEAC championship. And I'm serious. Let's let's see. Howard is 2-24. They're last in the league. They're last in the NCAA in RPI. They haven't won a game in 2020. They got blown out by Bethune-Cookman twice. Um, they only have two scores that average over. They only have two people who average over double digits. They can't rebound. They can't defend. They can't. They don't have any consistent scores. And they're pretty much a young team, outside of CJ, Nate Garvey, and um Zion Cousins. I don't know what happened to Raymond Berry, and Cal Foster as I know, is hurt. But it looks like, last time I saw him, it looks like he was doing a little shooting. So he should be back soon, if he's not back already. I haven't watched them lately. They're on a road trip. But with all that being said, they're still going to win the MEAC. Let me see. Here's here's why. First of all, CJ has that Mamba mentality. Charles CJ Williams, their best player. Number 13, senior, all-time leading scorer at Howard University. My God, brother. So, he's a beast. Now, I did get frustrated with him a lot this season because he's shooting inefficiently and they sub him out on defense. Yeah, sure, I get a little frustrated with him in the crowd. But I just love his mindset. He is the same guy no matter what. And that is just, I always said, like, off the court, he acts like LeBron. On the court, he acts like Kobe. So, I am just, I I'm just believe in this kid, and I know he can will this team to victory. But let's look at his supporting cast. You got a bunch of uh, young, hungry guys coming off the bench. I mean, you also got Phil Jones, who's been there for a little bit. He's finally – he was finally getting some playing time. He's nice on defense. Uh, You got Khalil Robinson. You got Ian Lee. Those guys can shoot. Uh, You got Wayne Bristol Jr., who is legit. Like, he's he's legit. He kind of reminds me of Chad – Man, the guy from last year, I forgot his name, but whoever the third score was last year, I think his name was Chad. He's like him. He plays kind of like him. He's just a skinnier version. He's just a skinnier version, better shooting version. He's very efficient. He's very efficient. He's a very solid freshman. He comes from the area. He's from Upper Marlboro. He went to some school I've never heard of. So, but nevertheless, he's nice. He's nice. So, in order for them to make this tournament run, I'm going to be real with you, D. They might win one more game. Maybe two. They should beat Dell State on senior night. Merlin Eastern Shore, I'm not completely sure about. But those games are at home. They could possibly win both. They should definitely beat Delaware State 
who is right there with them in RPI. The only thing I'm worried about is Delaware State beat North Carolina Central. So, I don't know about that. Now, I will say they did play Norfolk State close, and they are arguably the best team in the conference. North Carolina A&T is up there, too. So, but these guys are beatable. These guys in the me, I, I watched them play. They're beatable. They're beatable. Now, here's how Howard can win the MEAC tournament. First of all, CJ has to average 20 a game. He has to shoot at least 30% or more. He has to shoot maybe 40%. He's got to be more efficient. Wayne Bristol Jr. got to average 15 to 20. Zion has to get a double-double. And the supporting cast, they all have to shoot well. Nate Garvey can shoot. Um, they have to shoot well, and they're going to have to pressure the ball, play good defense. And they and I feel like they can get hot, and they can make a run. Because I feel like they can beat whoever the seventh seed is. They can beat them, and then they'll probably get Norfolk State or North Carolina Central or maybe, maybe A&T. They can beat them. They beat the next team, and then you get probably Norfolk State, A&T, or Central in the championship. And then you knock them off, and boom, the title is yours. I know, easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. Well, why not? If they pull this off, you got to make a movie of these guys. I mean, 2-24, and 300-something RPI, new coach. New coach with a young staff? Come on, man. Come on, man. The scripts write themselves. The scripts write themselves. Just send it to Hollywood. Send it to Hollywood. But I'm telling you right now, Howard will win the MEAC championship, and Charles C.J. Williams will be the MVP. Now, when they get to Dayton, now I don't know what's going to happen then. Now, I've seen Bracketology put them against a SWAC team. If they go against a SWAC team, I think they have a great chance of winning. They go against freaking, like, a Murray State or Siena or something like that, they're, they're going to lose. So, we'll, we'll see. I threw out Siena, but anybody from those mid-major conferences, I don't know. I don't think they're going to do anything against them. But I could be wrong because if they're hot enough to run through the MEAC tournament, I think maybe they could get a game in Dayton. But then when they play against Duke, Baylor, or Gonzaga, then they don't have a chance. <laughs> but but the road to get there is totally possible, even with this young team and inexperienced coaching staff. It is possible. I believe in them. They can do it. Just watch them. Just watch them work. I'm telling you right now, them guys ain't going to be playing. They're young. They got a – well, they're not that young. They got a mix of young and old players, a mix. So they got a good mix of young and old players. So, you know, I hope they – I hope – I know they're going to come together and do well. 
So now we got All-Star Weekend. I haven't watched much of it because I've just been out and about. I've just been out and about going on dates and stuff, uh, hanging out with my friend Emily and seeing my girl Amanda. Um, It's just I haven't got to watch much of it. But the little bit I did watch, I see Common, Common dominated in Chicago for the celebrity game. I mean, that's just predictable. Like, of course, Common playing basketball in Chicago. What you think was gonna happen? I like the Will Bomb versus Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith made it entertaining, but his team got smoked. And I like his. I like how he tried to explain how his team got smoked. He tried to claim that the rosters were unfair, and his only ball handle was Quavo. Excuses, bro. Excuses. Excuses. You just lost. You could have made it worse. You could have made it work. Or maybe the Rosses wasn't fair. I don't know. <laughs> he was just making excuses, man. <laughs> we ain't trying to hear all that, man. Y'all have fun. And I'm sure Stephen A will play in the game one of these days. I just hope his body can hold up and he can he can play. I mean, why not? Even if he is like banged up, why not? Just just give it a try. I'd love to see it. I know he'd be entertaining, for sure. Um, so the skills challenge: a big man won again. Bam Ambadio, or however you say it. Man, he's having a hell of a season. He's killing it. Like he's got to be like most improved player because I didn't hear much about him last year. He's been amazing this year for the Heat. He's been he's all star and. He won the skills competition. Like, man, this dude's killing it this year. Like, he's having his best life. I hope this isn't his peak as a basketball player. I hope he keeps getting better and becomes the face of the Heat. Because I know Jimmy Butler is getting old. I hate to say it, but he just is, okay? But anyway, so that happened. And Buddy Hill won the three-point contest. If I saw this live, I would have went crazy. But I didn't. I was hanging out with with friends. I was hanging out with one of my friends. So I didn't get to see it. But I did get home for the dunk contest. Oh, shout out to Devin Booker. And I'm kind of disappointed in Trey Young's performance in the three-point contest. But whatever, whatever. He made the all-star game. He had fun in the uh, rookie sophomore game. He did a lot that weekend. So to go from not on anyone's draft board to that already in a span of two years, see, he's just amazing. I did not know when I watched this kid play in high school, I did not know he'd become this. See, when he was in high school, I was like, this is the best high school play I've ever seen in my life. Better than Oladipo, better than Chris Wright, better than Quinn Cook, better than Chris Jenkins. I was like, he's better than all of them. And so far, he's having a better NBA career than all of them. And he's going to be a legend. But I'm getting sidetracked here. I did get home in time for the dunk contest, which was my plan. And sure enough, sure enough. I, um, sure enough, I loved it. Well, I loved it. It was pretty cool. Sure enough, I mean, I saw Dwight Howard do 
his Superman routine. When I saw, I knew he was going to do that. Once I saw him on the roster for the dunk contest, I knew he was going to do it. I was like, he's going to bring back the Superman for the third time. This time, it wasn't that great. Like, the first time was cool. Second time was okay. The third time was like, eh. That's pretty much all he had. Then Connaughton, Pat Connaughton with the white man can't jump theme. That seems to come up a bunch in my life lately because uh, I went to Venice Beach and played on that court. And, of course, White Men Can't Jump was filmed there. And, you know, I, I think of that whenever I see, hear about the movie. But, yeah, I like I like that whole concept. And then he, he touched the backboard and dunked it. I was like, man, damn, bro. He could have made the finals if he had a better first dunk. He got edged out. But Derrick Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon put on a show. And I swear... I believe Aaron Gordon won. He was defying gravity. He was defying gravity. And the little, the tornado dunk he did was, oh, my God. I was like, this guy, this guy's unreal. How does he do this? He is just incredible. And that dunk he did over Taco, I liked him way more than everybody else did. I went crazy. I said, I saw that dunk. I was like. I walked out. I was like, it's over. It's over, man. This guy, this guy just killed it. There's nothing Derrick Jones can do to win this thing. This man, Derrick Jones, I think he caught another lob and went between the legs. It was cool, but it that Aaron Gordon over Taco Fall joint was crazy. It was insane. Man, to me it was. Basically, I feel that Aaron Gordon should have won. I tweeted that Aaron Gordon won. And I was like, all right, Aaron, Aaron Gordon got it. I turn around, they give it to Derrick Jones Jr. I'm like, huh, how? But I wasn't as outraged as everybody else. I was just, I was like, okay, he, he did good too. They had to have dunk offs, like. They had to have a dunk off. Like, it was tied. Like, he bought it, too. He was just... I just felt that Aaron Gordon was just a little bit better. I feel like he was just a little bit better than Derrick Jones. But what can you do? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I need to go back and watch everything. Uh, The All-Star game only caught the fourth quarter which was very important because that was the best quarter. It was very competitive. It looked like it looked like pickup ball. It looked like competitive pickup ball, last point type of thing. And I saw they had the Elam ending where you get a target score. You put the target score on the ball on the board and whoever gets that wins. I loved it. I was when I saw that, I was like, why are they trying to rip off the the basketball tournament, TBT. Why they try to rip off them? And then I saw it in action, and it worked. Like, the coaches left their best lineup on the court for it had to have been 10 minutes. And it was competitive. Now, I would have paid to watch that. Now, But then again, NBA All-Star prices rival 
probably cost more than playoff tickets. <laughs> they cost more than playoff tickets. So they might be like NBA finals prices, maybe worse. I'm not kidding. I mean, but it was worth the money. It, it seemed like it was worth the money this year. I must admit. And it was a good finish. I recorded it. I plan to go watch it again. But I, at least the whole thing, whenever I make time to, or I might watch it little by little. But it looked good. It looked good. They need to keep this format. And Teddy Bruschi tweeted that they should come fix the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Man, I don't know what they're going to do with the Pro Bowl. Don't don't nobody watch that. Well, I watched some of it, but don't nobody really watch the Pro Bowl. Like, come on. Um, <laughs> the XFL... I knew it was going to be a little drop-off in viewership, but I like it. I'm way more invested in the a in the XFL than the AAF. Maybe because DC has a team. Maybe that's why. And they're doing a better job with promotion, and they're, they have better TV coverage. So we all knew from the jump. That the XFL was going to be better than the AAF. And so far, it's been proven. It's correct. It's definitely better than the AAF. No joke. Now, DC won 27-0. I said on the previous episode, I thought the New York Guardians were going to make it tough on us. And I predicted 23-20 DC. Man... Why during the week at my job, I decided to listen to the DC Defenders fan podcast. These men, these guys said from the start, it was like New York Guardians is not good. They're overrated. They are not good. They said that from the jump. I was like, but these guys followed DC Defenders. More than I do. They watch XFL more closely than I do. Maybe they're on to something. But still, I didn't really pay that much mind. Then I went to the game with my friend Emily from Wisconsin. So it was cold. But it wasn't as cold. It was like high 30s at the time. Okay. So Cardell Jones does what we normally do. Drive down the field. Well, 3 nothing, whatever. Then drive down the field. No, 6 nothing, 7 nothing. It was too easy. I was like, okay, maybe I see what they mean. <laughs> but the Guardians got the ball, and Matt McGloin, he had some open people. They would, It's just he either missed them or they were dropping passes. The Guardians weren't doing that bad in the first quarter. They just couldn't. They had a crucial turnover. Your man, the running back, made a move and got the ball ripped from him. Just imagine if they score on that drive. We might have a completely different game. But it happened. We took advantage. I think we got a field goal. Me and Emily, like, we realized that DC defenders, like, missed a lot of opportunities. They could have – it could have been more than – what the score was. I think it was 12 nothing at halftime. It could have been a lot worse. 
it could have been 20-something to nothing at halftime. Like, they missed a lot of opportunities. Because after the first two drives, the Guardians were awful. They couldn't run the ball. Matt McGloin, I was like, I was sitting there watching Matt McGloin throw the ball. I'm like, this guy is horrible. And some of the play calls look bad, too, because I don't know. Like, the receivers were not getting open. Like, they were covered. No one, they weren't getting open after the second drive. And even if they were, Matt McGloin was missing them. He was throwing some awful throws. He was was making some awful passes. I was like, this guy sucks. I usually don't, like, criticize the other team's quarterback. Like, but I was like, like that. or But I was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> then he threw that pick. It should have been more than 12 nothing at halftime. I think it, if you take away the fumble, it probably should have been, like, 24-7 to at halftime. But nevertheless, it's 12 nothing. Me and Emily, we're cold. Second quarter, for some reason, the temperature drops and the wind starts blowing. Our feet are getting cold. We decide to go walk around. Then I had a thought that I was like, you know what? I kind of want to leave now. And she had the same mindset. She was like, yeah, I, you know what? We should go now. I, I want to get home before it's dark. And plus, I'm really cold. I said, Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. We left, and I had to make sure I got home for the fourth quarter. And sure enough, I did at the start of the fourth quarter. And uh, it's at this point 19 to nothing. Of course, I was listening on the radio. I think it was 18 nothing. Might have been, might have been, it might have been 18 nothing, maybe 21 nothing. It was getting out of hand, and um, they had benched Matt McGloin. I think by the time I got home, they benched Matt McGloin, and then I started going on Twitter, and I saw this audio of Matt McGloin just, just being a negative teammate, just saying, you know, we suck, and paraphrasing. I was like, he said, direct quote, he said, this is the worst game I've ever been a part of in my life. <laughs> he said they need to change the whole entire game plan. Man, this guy, I wonder what's going to happen to him. I don't think he's starting anymore this season. If they go back to him, that means the other guys either suck or he just had a complete turnaround in practice. I just don't think. After all that, I just don't think at at worst they'll cut him. And in best case scenario, he starts next week and redeems himself. But I don't think he's gonna start anymore. I think he's done. He got exposed and he didn't handle that very well. No one wants that. No one wants to play for somebody like that. You know? No one wants to play for somebody like that. I'm telling you. But then the other games, so you had right after us was Tampa Bay and Seattle because I I was definitely interested in that because I knew that was a battle of the worst two teams in the league. 
And sure enough, it was a low-scoring game, and Silvers had that one big bomb down the field. Other than that, they probably was going to get ran out of their own stadium. But I knew Seattle wasn't horrible. I knew they weren't the worst team in the league, but I knew they were one of – they knew they were bottom tier. I knew they were, at best, number five. But I knew that they were the seventh or eighth best team in the league. But they beat Tampa Bay. They had 17 unanswered points. And they'll sneak up on some people. But ultimately, they're not going to make the Western Conference Finals. I'm just saying. So then Houston won again. I need to see the highlights of that game. St. Louis is a sneaky team. They're a solid team. No one's really talking about them. And I think... It's going to be D.C. and St. Louis in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Also, Dallas Renegades, my second favorite team because they got Landry and Bob Stoops. They got off to a slow start. I watched that game at least the second half, and Landry Jones took command of that offense, and he led his team to victory coming back. And it's just that they fed off him. He was positive, and he – really took control. And if he can do that, if he can be a leader like that, he might take them. I think it's going to be Houston and Dallas. I think it's going to be Houston and Dallas in the Western Finals. So I think it's going to be Houston, Dallas, D.C., St. Louis. Yeah, they're going to – I think New York and St. Louis will go back and forth. They play next week. But I think ultimately St. Louis is a slightly better team and an underrated team, too. Now, what happens in the playoffs? Who knows? And still look out for L.A. because they got Josh Johnson and they got I don't know what happened in the second half, but they got a solid defense. They got solid. Well, they their defense has potential, but. They have shown in the second half of both games to be just awful. So maybe it's their coaches. They don't make adjustments. But we'll see. I think D.C. is going to win the league. I think it's going to be D.C. and Houston. or D- I'm a, I'm, It's a toss-up between Houston and Dallas. But I think it's going to be one of them versus D.C. and Houston on April 26th. We'll see, though. Um, UConn women... Got whooped by Oregon, then got whooped by South Carolina. Oh, my God. How the mighty has fallen. Um, Muffet McGraw's team got whooped by Louisville. They're unranked. They've been unranked, like, the whole season. They've just been getting a tail whooped the entire season. Oregon, Oregon is doing what I expected them to do because Sabrina Inescu, I knew from the day I knew about her that she was going to be special. And she is. And she don't even be scoring a lot of points. She just does it all. From the little bit I've seen of Oregon. She just does it all. And they're winning. It's a winning formula. And they're like 24-1. and Now, I think their only threat is Baylor. And I'm pretty sure it was... That wasn't the championship. They were in the Final Four against Baylor. That's the hurdle they got to get over. Baylor. I don't think anyone else is beating them. I'm keep I'm gonna keep it real. I don't think anyone else is gonna beat Oregon but Baylor. If they can clear the Baylor hurdle, 
they'll win it all. And Sabrina Inescu will just go down in history as one of the best college women's basketball players ever. So we'll see what happens. Uh, OU basketball lost at Kansas again, and this time it wasn't even close. I thought they would sneak up on them. I thought Kansas would take them for granted, and they didn't. They pounded them. They pounded them. They won by double digits. What can you do? You know, the, it was just maybe a talent mismatch. I didn't watch the game really, but I saw the, the scores I was watching. I was watching the game cast on my phone, and I was keeping up with the updates, and it's just – it looked like they never had a chance. It's okay. It's okay. We haven't – they haven't won at Kansas since I was uh, like a four-month-old. A five-month-old? They haven't won at Kansas since I was, like, five months old. So, hopefully, that I need to put that on my bucket list, to see OU win at Kansas. I hope they do. I want to go to the game next year. We'll see. They got to do it, man. They haven't won there since 93. Maybe they'll finally do it. And then when that happens, maybe the Redskins will go get it together. Because that's about around the time the Redskins, the last time the Redskins won a title. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. That's just funny. The OU basketball Kansas thing is just sad. But they've beaten Kansas quite a few times in Norman. But they can't beat them at Kansas. I don't know what the deal is. Whatever. Um, they'll figure it out eventually. Or maybe we'll get enough talented people and then we can go in there. Our best chance to beat them was Buddy Hilled. Was that Buddy Hill team that made the Final Four. That was our best chance to beat them. And we still didn't beat them. So, it's hard. It's hard to win there. But why has every other Big 12 team won there but us? I don't get it. Even Baylor is one there. I don't know. It's something I can't figure out, and hopefully they do sooner than later. Um, So the Astros cheating things come up again because Carlos Correa said some stuff, told Bellinger, who said something about it, who didn't like any of the explanations or the apologies. Uh, Carlos Correa said, if you don't know the facts, just shut the hell up. So, Carlos Correa, I'm not surprised he said that. Come on. Like, Carlos Correa got the most personality. He's got a fiery personality. He's not afraid to clap back. He's not afraid to talk trash. So, I'm not surprised he said something like that. Uh, Is Manfred defending the Astros with their punishment and stuff? He claims he's not. It seemed like the Astros got off light. I don't know if they did or not. I'm not sure if they did or not. But if you would have took away their title, mm, that would have been going a little too far. Like, how much how much does sign-stealing play a role in it, in this cheating? I mean, they went to seven with the Dodgers, and they did try to do all this against the Nationals, and they lost. They tried to do all this versus the Red Sox, and they lost. So how much, how, maybe this is a little overblown. And 
maybe there's other teams doing cheating. And even baseball people on radio and stuff, even they say that the Astros, like, people have been cheating in baseball for years. Even back in the day, like 100 years ago. So I think, oh, this is kind of overblown. It, it kind of is. Like, y'all overreacting. Like, sure. Sure, I mean, maybe the Dodgers would have helped the Dodgers if the Astros didn't steal signs in Game 7. Maybe it would help them. But other than that, I don't think it was as big of a deal as you make it seem. As people make it seem. Especially since it doesn't really help the pitchers as much. It helps them to a certain degree, but it don't help them as much. You still got to pitch. You still got to run bases. I'm just saying. But, you know, uh, yeah, they're using technology and stuff. I know you're not, not supposed to do that, and... I know it's sending a bad message to the kids. But seriously, though, like, they still, like, I'm pretty sure there's got to be some other teams that did this stuff. It can't be just them. Maybe they're the only ones dumb enough to get caught. And how did they not win three titles with them doing all this cheating? I don't know. Just don't take away their title, okay? Like, just just don't. Just just don't. It it already happened. Like you can't you can't get it back. And I can I really feel sorry for the Dodgers because the Nationals just played them and beat them, and the Red Sox beat them. So should I really feel sorry for the Dodgers? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But, you know, baseball will crack down on this, I hope. And then probably someone else, some other team will find a way to cheat. We'll see, though. But for now, I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.